Today's scripture reading is on page 10, and we are reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we continue on today in our series of what is the church and do I need it? Uh, and when we are talking about this, we are looking at, okay, so how do we define church? Many of us define it within a building. Many of us define it as the people or we define it as some act that we do together. That's the church. That's what the church does. But we want to go to scripture and see what are the things that tell us what the church is. And not only that, why is it important for us, or is it important for us to have a church and be a part of a church and actually be the church? And then we've added a little a third element to that is what then does it look like particularly for us uh, here at Fremantle Church, this gathering, pe gathering of people? I don't know if you have been fascinated this last week, week and a half, or if it's even come across your... Um, social media feeds, because it's definitely not quite hit the news yet, the mainstream sort of media. But there is uh, a revival going on at Asbury College in the United States. Now, this is the second time that this has happened for Asbury. Asbury is part of the Methodist tradition, uh, and so it's unusual, actually, to have something like this taking place in that particular setting. And so what happened is they have a chapel, and in that chapel there was a gathering of people, and in that gathering of people they began to sing songs and pray and read scripture, and it just continued to go and go and go. And I don't know what, it, what day it's on now, but it's been going several days, and there are people who have traveled from all across the United States to go and see what is going on. There have been people present within it that have come out and tweeted about it or are posted on Facebook. And now there are actually people on multiple sides of the issue saying, well, it's not really a revival unless this happens, and it's not really a revival unless this happens, and it's not really a revival unless this happens. Instead of stepping back and going, I don't care what's going on in some sense, but what I do know is there are people from the ages of 18 to about 25, that's the majority of them, gathering together, singing songs of praise to God, praying and hearing his word spoken over them and within them. And sure, when it all comes to an end, and it will in some form or fashion, I will let you know this, Hope University, which is in Michigan, has had three chapel services for 35 years that the majority of them are set up by volunteers that just take place every week. They're not set up by the campus saying this has to happen. So that could happen. That would be cool. 
But after it all dies down, and everybody sort of has their opinion about it, the one thing that will probably remain most true is that there was a moment in time that a group of people in a particular place gathered together and sang and heard scripture and prayed together. And there will come stories out of that that we will never know of lives that are changed, of people who found out who they truly were supposed to be. Now, something else has been happening in the States as well, and I really despise being so state-centric. But this last week, we had a gridiron game called the Super Bowl that took place, where billions of people around the world tune in to watch two football teams or gridiron teams battle against each other, or they tune in to watch the commercials, or they tune in to watch the halftime show. This particular halftime show of someone who really hasn't recorded new music in three years, which is pretty amazing, but she was able to pull that off. And people watched and worshiped. There also, a few weeks ago, were the Grammys. I personally got to be involved in a unique sort of situation where people were thrilled to see someone on stage and sing along with their songs and they even raised their hands with their cell phones to light the way when I attended Sting just this last week in Kings Park. The point is, is that we all have things that we do that our hearts move towards in enjoyment and praise. And so it's very interesting that we read this passage in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. It says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? So we can worship. So we can declare the praises of him who's called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So when we ask, what is the church? The church is a gathering of particular people saved by God, brought into their truth identity in Christ, working together through the Holy Spirit to do the things that he empowers them to do, to bring glory and honor to Christ, to ultimately be worshipers. That in all we do, in everything that we say, in all the works of our hands, and all the meditations of our heart, they are pointed towards the marvelous and magnificent high and mighty God, bringing him glory and praise and honor. Not because he requires it, but because of his person, it is the only thing that can be done when we encounter him, is to worship and so the church should consist of those whose hearts, minds, and bodies, their wholeness is pointed towards God recognizing who he is. Now, it's interesting that Peter goes back and he grabs this idea of chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation. See, he's calling back to the nation of Israel. He's calling back to Abraham. And in the Abrahamic covenant, when God calls Abraham to himself and says, I have chosen you, I want you, and you can see this in Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15, he lets Abraham know that he is blessing him and calling him not just for himself, but so that the nation that will arise will be a blessing to all people. 
And in some sense, we have to go, well, what does that mean? Is he going to cause them to, to know how to live right? No, that's actually not what ends up happening. Does it mean that he's going to be a blessing to all people because he's going to protect the land? No, actually, because Abraham doesn't really protect the land that well. But what it does mean is what we see here following up, is that Abraham and his people are set aside to say, in the pantheon of gods that are out there that we can worship, in the many arrayed sort of things that can attract our hearts and take our minds, they all fail to compare to the high and mighty God who has chosen us. And so he is the one who has called us from darkness into light. And so worship is about having our own high hearts aligned to the truth of who God is in order for us to proclaim that to those that are around us. That's one of the critiques of the revival that's going on in, in Asbury right now, is that there doesn't seem to be a lot of proclamation to particular different groups of people, that it's only a gathering of a certain set of people. Well, that sounds like Israel a little bit to me. Because see, the people that grew up in this Abrahamic covenant, the nation of Israel, is they became insular and they decided that they themselves were the blessing of God and that blessing was only for themselves. That if you're not doing it like Israel, then you're not doing it right. That if you're not chosen like Israel was chosen to be his people, then you're not actually being in God's presence. And so they stopped being a blessing to those that are around them, and they became insulated. And that answers us the question of why do we then need the church? Do I need it? If the church is a gathering of people whose hearts have been turned towards God in order to recognize how high and lifted up is, put him in his rightful place in our hearts, and then to share that with others, we need it because we are prone to put everything else in the place of God. We are prone to set up idols and false gods that will reign in our hearts more than the sovereign God who loves us and pursues us steadfastly. I've told this story before, but my part of my teenage life was built around emulating an actor named Bruce Willis. Now, we've just found out that Bruce has dementia, and so we pray for his family and those. But it's a cruel reminder to me as well that those things that we set up in our lives will fail. They are frail and not long for this world. But I did everything to emulate Bruce Willis. I didn't shave my head, although I would have, but that came along later, naturally. I sang his songs, I bought his albums, I dressed like him, I changed things about me, I thought I would be sarcastic like him. And if you don't know who Bruce Willis is, you don't really need to worry about looking him up. Just know that he was this actor that I really wanted to be like because I thought he was the coolest. Now there's two things that happened in that for me. One, I never was as cool as Bruce Willis. Never could be. Because he's Bruce Willis and I'm Lee Hinkle. He's Bruno, and I'm Lee, right? So I could never be like him. Two, 
when I began to recognize the other parts of his life, I realized he's not really worthy of trying to be like. When he had multiple women in his life and broken relationships, when he appeared to be just outright selfish on a movie set and not caring about anybody else that was around him, those were things I didn't want to emulate. Now, each one of us have the propensity to have something that we look at and say, that's worthy of my worship. In our prayer, I talked about power and comfort and pleasure and self. We all move to this place, as Augustine says, to have disordered loves. This place where we take small things and we make them the ultimate thing. Where they should just stay small things. But the ultimate thing is Christ and God. And that's what we are called to worship. And so we need the church to gather together. We need the people of God to walk with one another so that when we are in each other's presence and we are praising and worshiping God, we are reminded that I'm not all that. And the things that I put my hope and trust in will fail me. But God, who is magnificent and mighty, will reign supreme. We need the church to walk with us when we come to the end of ourselves and recognize those idols that I have set up are not doing what I hoped that they would do, and we become distraught and in despair. We need the others to walk with us to remind us that, no, God has set us up and given us together the ability to recognize and then proclaim God's great mercy and truth and love. That's why we need the church to gather together because we are called to be those who are worshipers. So what does that mean for us here? What does that mean for us at Fremantle Church? Some of you might not know this, but Fremantle Church, we try to operate on a set of postures. Uh, postures meaning values, but values seem sometimes to be a bit stagnant, like I believe this thing to be true, and a posture says I must move in a direction with this. And one of our postures is a posture of awe. And what we mean by that is this. When we are not in awe of the vastness and power of God, we are tempted to believe that we ourselves are in control. The posture of awe causes us to worship the Lord, teaching us humility and causing us to be thankful for God's overwhelming power and mercy. So at Fremantle Church, what we hope to see happen is that when we gather together on Sunday morning, it is a practice and a recitation for one thing that enables us in every area of our lives then to be those who are worshiping God. That by coming together on Sunday morning, it's not just for us to get together, but it's for us to sing songs of praise, to pray towards God, pouring out our heart so that we know that we are in communion with him, hearing the word of God proclaimed to us so that our hearts can be challenged or comforted or encouraged. 
taking his supper so that we receive over and over again each Sunday the grace that he provides for us and then proclaiming the truth of that in the world, enabling us then in every aspect of our lives to walk as those who are worshipers. So on Sunday morning, we're coming together, and in those acts, we're putting into practice the act of being a worshiper. One that recognized that God is the ultimate, the high and lifted up, and the ultimate love of our lives, and we should give him all praise and glory and honor. The Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, uh, shorter catechism, question number one, says, what is the true meaning of man? It is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. See, all the false things and false gods that we put in the way distract us and they cause us to walk not in the way that God has made us to be. And so in the church, we practice that together so that when we step out into the world, we can be those who are worshiping. Not only that, we are worshiping when we are together. It's not just a rehearsal when we come together saying, let's get this right so we can do it right out in the world. It's that in all its brokenness and feralty, in all of the things that go wrong on Sunday morning, believe it or not, things go wrong on Sunday morning, that even in that place, we are seeing God high and lifted up and giving him glory and honor. And more than that, that in this place, as we are worshiping God, the one who is high and lifted up, at this moment, it doesn't matter where you're at in that relationship with him. That he longs for you to be present in this place so that whether you 100% with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength want to say, yes, God is my ultimate love, or you have walked this path and you're like, I'm about 23% sure that God is my ultimate love. It's all right. In fact, it is right for you to be here so that you can be reminded and taught that he is worthy of praise and move you to be the worshiper that God has made you to be. That's why we always say this is a place you can belong before you believe. You can come into the presence of God because the presence of God is everywhere. But on a Sunday morning, specifically at 1015, it's not some special revelation of, of God's presence that happens. It's just that we've opened our eyes a little wider to see that he is present. And so that's the second thing. It's not just a rehearsal. We're actually doing this at Fremantle Church. But let me read Colossians 3.17 as well. Paul here to the church in Colossia says, And whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. By walking in the practice and the proclamation of worship together on Sunday, it means that as we go out from here on every other moment of every other day of the week, we recognize that our whole lives, all of our being, everything we do can and should be aligned with that worship of God being the ultimate love. 
So that means when you're making dinner, God is the ultimate love. And you're making dinner not just for those who are going to eat it or not selfishly just for yourself. But you're making it because God is the ultimate love. And he's given me these good things to make or whatever I do have to make. He, in fact, has given me those as well. That when I'm in my job and I'm doing the tasks that are laid out at hand, that I do those as of to God because he's the one who's provided that for me. And in response of gratitude, I say, and when I'm in conflict with someone, I go, God, break in and change my heart because I'm elevating something to be more ultimate than you, mostly my pride. And it's causing me to have a dysfunctional relationship. So help me be your worshiper so that I can realign my loves and not me, your Holy Spirit, so that I can be a worshiper and love this person. God, I'm having a hard time forgiving this person. And let me just say, forgiveness does not mean you continue in relationship with somebody that's hurt you. I just want to make that very clear. Forgiveness means saying, I'm giving you to God. And if we give somebody to God, that means I don't have to worry about them anymore. But you might be worried about them. And you're saying, how am I going to worship God in this? You say, God, I've disordered this, and I have something for this person's life that I want to happen. It's become grander and bigger than you. I need you. Because only you can do it, God, to elevate yourself. Show me who you are. Be majestic and mighty so that I can give them to you and rest in knowing that you have it, that I don't. That we have causes that we walk in, things that we deeply believe. To be a worshiper in that place is to know that they are never supposed to usurp the throne of God. That while they are important and while we believe they, they are the thing that we need to be on about at this moment, that if for some reason they become more important to you than God's glory and majesty and might, or if you begin to conflate and say, only God receives majesty if my way is done, come back to the church so that we can say to you, you know, lift up God and God alone, not God and your cause. Practically, it means this, that every moment of every day, we walk into the place not just believing, but operating, moving our hands and our feet, our guts and our minds to say, what am I doing at this moment to be a worshiper? How am I hearing Holy Spirit call me to be a worshiper? Is what I'm doing at this moment going to bring glory and honor? And is it going to cause me to enjoy my relationship with God. Now here's the beauty. This God that we worship, this mighty one, this one who is due all worship, he doesn't leave us to the place to believe that we can muster it up all on ourselves. Because the one who is due all worship became the one who was jeered and reviled on the cross. He took it so that we could be those that worship him. Let me pray for us.
Father, whatever is not from you, let it burn up and go away. But if it is from you, let it dig deep into our hearts so that we can uh, proclaim good fruit and your praise. Thank you for making us worshipers. Let us worship you in spirit and in truth. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.